So I'm not sure, but I heard a rumor that if you have the the Nike watch and you say, just do it three times, Michael Jordan comes and gives you three wishes. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on iOS developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average iOS developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the iFreaks link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hire.com slash iFreaks. Cubeserve is an automatic time tracker for Mac that helps to improve your productivity by giving you a picture of your time spending patterns. It provides instant feedback on your performance by watching the sites and apps you use. Cubeserve stores all the track data privately on your machine and doesn't require subscription. Get it free at bit.ly slash track time on Mac and see where your time goes. That's bit.ly slash track time on Mac. That's bit.ly slash track time on Mac. Use coupon code iFreaks at checkout and get 25% discount in September. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 173 of the iFreak Show. This week on our panel, we have Alondo Brewington. Hello from Croatia. Andrew Madsen. Hello from Salt Lake City. James Uber. Hello from my parents' basement. <laughs> that's one step away of, from being in the band down by the river. That's that's true. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and we're going to be talking about the... It's September 7th right now as we record this, and the Apple event got over about an hour ago. So we're going to be talking about some of the stuff that came up there and share our opinions for however much time we have. So I'm a little curious. I mean, what was your overall impression of the event? I'd have to say, while there were some parts that we'll get to at some point that I was pleased with, I expected more. I I really was expecting there to be maybe multiple devices or more things talked about in terms of different services or products. So it was a little disappointing. Okay, good. It wasn't just me. I think the rumors were just completely 100% right. And I mean, rumors had said they were not going to talk about Macs, that it was going to be iPhone and Apple Watch. Those were right. I think every single thing they announced had been leaked, except for Mario Brothers, which was the big surprise for me. I hadn't heard anything about that. But, you know, so maybe it's disappointing to me that these days we can't really watch an Apple event with surprises because everything gets leaked, you know, leaked weeks in advance. But Ignoring that, ignoring the leaks, I thought they announced some some good stuff. The the new iPhone looked really nice. We're well firmly, I think, now in the in the days of incremental iPhone updates. We're never going to get our mind blown the way we did when the original iPhone was announced, or at least not for a long time. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I hadn't really gone out looking to see what they were going to talk about at the event. I just figured I'd show up and see what happened. And so, yeah, most of the stuff they talked about was new to me, but I was still not that impressed i mean it's it's cool stuff and it's i think it's gonna you know it means new and interesting things for ios developers and for iphone users but yeah overall it was i don't know i wanted more jane what was your impression hated it hated no. um, <laughs> I, I, it was fine i, I think andrew's right on no, nothing mind-blowing we kind of knew what was going to happen and they brought it out People that I know that are into camera things got really excited about the the seven plus camera functionality, and they'd have to explain it to me again you know, with the with the two lenses. Mm-hmm. So there are some people that are really excited about it. 
but I think just some some cool stuff and yeah, just some steps forward. Gotcha. So where should we start as far as the announcements they made and you know discussing those? I think we should start at the beginning. That's a very good place to start. So Apple Music. <laughs> Apple Music. Well, we can ignore that because that's always the most boring part of every keynote. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I, I really I felt the same way when, when it started. I, I listened to it and I just I, I watched it with about six or seven other people. And just the general tone of the room was just meh. It's like, okay, yes, it, it exists. Let's move on. Does anyone here actually use Apple Music? Because I really don't. No. No, I did the three-month free trial when it first came out. I think I might have paid for a month after that just because I forgot to cancel it. But no, I don't. I, I may be the lone person here. I actually do still use Apple Music, but I'm not blown away by it. Okay. I was just curious if somebody was actually going to... Oh, I'm getting that now. All right. So what was after Apple Music? I don't... M- Mario? Mario. Think Mario. Yes, absolutely. Mario. The App Store uh, updates them they didn't talk about how many apps were in the app store which i pretty much figured was coming with the recent change announcements and uh, they started talking about mario but actually alondo you're, you're right and that was actually kind of interesting they did not talk about how many apps are in the app store which one thing that's interesting about that is a few days ago they announced that they're going to start basically going through the app store finding old apps that haven't been updated for a long time or are broken and just start removing them i mean they're going to give developers notice and whatever but which is a really great thing something they should have started doing a long time ago that developers have been a- asking for but i think I think one thing that's interesting is if they had announced numbers at this keynote, like there are, you know, 2 million apps in the app store. And then next year, you know, in six months, they had another keynote and they've started that process. The number is actually going to go down. So it's not going to be, you know, they don't want to be saying, oh, now we only have a million and a half apps in the app store because that number for the very first time, I think, is about to start going down. But what they what they did do is they said. We have had 140 billion downloads total, I think, and they and I think maybe the very most interesting thing is they said that app download app download numbers are up like 101 percent year over year, which to me is them trying to counter the idea that I've seen sort of out there in the press that that apps are sort of on their way out and the the boom is over and whatever. Um, I think that was their way of saying no, no, see, they're still growing. Agreed. That was uh, I did notice that as well. And the one number that they did mention, though, right before the the Super Mario or Mario Super Mario Run announcement, was that they still mentioned the number of games that there were five hundred thousand games. So I think they're still trying to push the fact that oh, we still have lots of games for you to choose from and, and purchase on this platform. Right. Well, the other thing is, is they want to bring those. I forget the industry term, but you know, the top tier games. They want those companies to be con- to continue to make games for iOS as a platform and not just focus on consoles or other PC or other systems. And I think that was also the credibility thing with the Nintendo was just that it was, hey, look, you know, this is kind of one of the big names in in gaming, in console gaming. And look, now they're on the iPhone. Yeah. So this was big, big news for Apple people, because I think a lot of iOS users have wanted Nintendo games on their on their iPhone for a long time. But it was actually really big news for Nintendo because they for a very long time resisted putting their their games on other platforms. And they announced, I don't know, maybe a year ago that they were going to finally start sort of making tentative moves into mobile gaming. And he started with some what are those called the Mii's, you know the thing, the little avatars on the Mii, oh, yeah. on the Wii, some some app for that, which I think was a pretty big failure. 
uh, and then Pokemon Go, which is not really a Nintendo thing. You know, it's Niantic Labs and po- the Pokemon Company. And, you know, I, Nintendo has some hand in it because they uh, own the IP or whatever, but it's not really their thing. This, I think, is the biggest jump they've made yet into mobile gaming by, by putting Mario, which is obviously their star character and property. Um, and it was interesting that it's not really, it's not Mar- it's not Super Mario Brothers for the NES, you know, on your iPhone. It's It's a new game and it's a... It's a very iOS or, or mobile-like game. It's an endless runner where you your only control is tapping on the screen. I saw some people that were kind of disappointed about that. They said, well, we just want real Super Mario Brothers on the iPhone. But I, my personal opinion is Nintendo made the right choice there. I mean, I just don't think touchscreen is, is a great way to, to play games like real Mario. So instead, make a game that works well on the, the hardware that people are playing it on. Well, and I've used systems that try to use multi-touch to basically have a controller type interface on it. And it's really glitchy. You know, it either doesn't pick up my touch or it thinks I'm touching something else or it thinks that I'm doing some kind of motion to interact with it instead of touching. And so, yeah, I agree. I think they made the right move. I could see them going to the point where, you know, they, they talked about the lightning a little bit later, the lightning cable. I could see them maybe allowing you to put some kind of controller or made for iPhone connector on there that provides you with some kind of hardware controller type interface. And and I think that might work. But I agree with you. Yeah. Just with the touchscreen doing what they did, I think is the right call. Right. So those those hardware controllers exist. Apple has an entire program that they announced a couple of years ago at WWDC for for hardware companies to make controllers for iPhone and now for Apple TV and that's all fine but you can't really release a game and have it be successful if you require one of those especially not if you're somebody like Nintendo you know you want 500,000 or 500 million people to download your app not the 1,000 super nerds that bought a game controller for their iPhone that's true that's true but I agree I think it's a, it's a good start they're they're on the platform now and you can expect to see some new offerings that are that are going to be, you know, better experiences for use on iOS. I, it does yeah. make me wonder, though, are we going to get like Sonic the Hedgehog or some of these other properties oh. that are associated with Nintendo? Sonic's been on Sonic's been on iOS for oh really a long, a long, long time. In fact, the the very first app I ever downloaded for iPhone on the very day that the App Store came out in in two thousand eight was Super Monkey Ball, which is a Sega property, and they had Sonic on there. It seems like within the first year of the App Store. Gotcha. Any more thoughts on the App Store or games before we move on to the next uh, area? Well, I just uh, Pokemon Go was another thing that was mentioned, and I, I I think Pokemon Go has faded out a little bit from its peak when it seemed like everybody on Earth was playing it. But hearing that guy say that there were they had had five hundred million downloads since they launched was pretty incredible can you imagine making an app that got 500 million downloads in a matter of you know three months or however long not even three months i think uh, honestly i just looked at some of my numbers i take 5,000 at this point <laughs> right, right exactly i mean most of us are happy if anybody downloads our app but to become like even if, if a short-lived thing but it, to become like a real cultural phenomenon where you could just go anywhere and see people outside playing the game must have been pretty incredible for those guys. Yeah, one of my fellow remotes actually it works for a company that does the management consulting for them. And that he had briefly worked on the Pokemon Go project. And the general consensus in the room today was that while it may not be mind-blowing, the, the, the gameplay experience on the watch when they got to the watch was like pretty impressive that they really did do something different. 
you know, they weren't trying to replicate it. They were really trying to just take advantage of the device. I've never played Pokemon Go, but a lot of people here do. And the, the general consensus, they were very pleased with it. They thought it was pretty impressive. I thought that was really cool, the watch stuff. Yeah, I agree. I, pl- I do play Pokemon Go, and they, they announced right around the same time that the app first came out, they announced a little dedicated hardware device that's a little, you know, br- Bluetooth bracelet that you wear that sort of does some of the same stuff, I think, as the watch app does. But uh, he, he actually very briefly showed that on stage and talked about it, um, which I kind of thought was interesting because in some ways it's a competitor to whatever they're doing on the Apple Watch. But that thing has been impossible to get i don't know if it's even out yet but they've gone for really high prices on ebay and whatever so bringing it to the apple watch seems like a really really smart move in terms of their user base you know instead of this thing that nobody can actually get their hands on and and it looked like they had done a nice job with the watch app you know it looked like it was not sort of a half-hearted effort yeah i agree that's one of the reasons why i want an apple watch like up till now with the and maybe this will transition us into apple watch but up till now, like the Apple Watch 2 or whatever it was before, I was just kind of like, oh, well, eh, I don't know. I was I just wasn't that excited about it. I mean, the battery life, I have a Pebble Time Steel. The battery life on it is really nice. I think if they can solve the battery issues, that's cool. But the fact that it has a GPS in it and the fact that it has some of the complications and can allow you to interact in the ways that the Pokemon Go app sort of leads you toward, that was exciting for me. It's like, oh, you can do all kinds of other stuff with this now. Yeah, I agree. I think that those are the things that like you could you could finally see like usefulness with the watch beyond sort of some of the basic functionality that was, you know, that you had when it initially came out. I'm a fan of the Apple Watch, but I know that the, the value of it is pretty limited in its initial iteration. I've mainly used it just for, you know, the basic fitness tracking and for directions. And outside of that, it really hasn't been much, you know, get the multitude of notifications. But again, I, I tend to turn those off because they can get you know annoying depending on what if you're trying to use Slack or, or WhatsApp or something like that. But I'm really looking forward to these new improvements. Was there anything on the new Apple Watch that they announced that's a, a feature that the old one doesn't have? I don't think so. I think that was... Besides the little, GPS little, built little, in? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, okay. yeah the built-in GPS right. was huge. And um, yeah. I think they... Whatever the I don't remember what the supposed water resistance is for the series one, but they gave a definitive answer on water resistance up to 50 meters with this series two watch. Yeah, the the first one is supposed to be whatever the rating that they have on it is waterproof or water resistant to one meter for 30 seconds, which doesn't sound that great. But I know a lot of people that swim with their original Apple watch and have. Uh, you know, a lot. So it, it's actually more waterproof than they ever sold it as being. So it's kind of interesting to see them go all in and make it official that the Apple Watch is now truly waterproof and they're calling it a swim watch. Yeah, I did get a kick out of the portion where they showed the the speaker pushing the water out because I was just wondering how, how much force that water is coming out there. I could just see someone just pulling the old, uh, water in the flower clown jug oh, yeah. uh, with the watch. <laughs> nice. I, how, and well, the other thing is, what's the volume? seems like it's probably about a drop, you know? I mean, that speaker's not very big. But I, I, I did like that, actually. I like that uh, little, you know, animation or whatever that they showed. That was that was one of those fun, technical, we're Apple, we do really cool, innovative stuff, things that they pull out every now and then, and um, I think is really fun. Yeah, it, it just got it to the point where it felt like it was a device that I would actually use. And And the waterproof was one thing, and the GPS was one of the other things that, you know, I don't, you know, my watch is, is waterproof, but, you know, being able to having the company say you can take it in deep water and also 
yeah, just being able to use it. Because what I want from from an Apple Watch, it's it's nice that it can use my phone to do all this stuff, but I really want a computer on my wrist. And this, I feel like, gets it closer to where it's not 100% dependent on my phone. Yeah, that's a good point, because I've done several sort of remote hikes this year, and those types of things really come in handy to be able to have that on the watch and not have to worry about taking my phone, um, just being able to go up on trails and not have to worry about that and, and not get lost. <laughs> I love my original Apple Watch. I use it all the time. I don't know for sure if I'll upgrade to this new one. You know, faster, to me, a GPS is not a huge deal, but the new stuff in watchOS 3, which, of course, we saw at WWDC, but is now, um, you know, going to be real soon or out, out for real. Seems really good to me. Seems like it's going to address most of the truly major shortcomings of the first two versions of the OS. You know, the main one being how slow it is to do anything. Yeah, I agree. And I like the fact that you, even while providing this new series to watch, those improvements on watchOS uh, allow the original purchase of the watch, the series one to get a lot of those gains. And it shows that they're just not leaving customers behind. And I, 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 I appreciate that. Yeah. I really like the performance characteristics that are in it and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Of course, I, like I said, I don't have an Apple watch, so I don't know where it falls down and, and fails and what issues they've actually fixed with it other than that it's faster and that it's not as heavily reliant on the phone. Well, the biggest thing is on the Apple Watch, on, on watchOS 1 and 2, you tap on an app to start it up and it takes 5, 10, 15, 30 seconds. I mean, oh, sometimes wow. it just times out, doesn't even ever actually manage to start. And that's the thing think, that they have apparently actually fixed. Yeah, I think most apps time out at this point. People got, a, got them in the store early on because Apple wanted to. That's how you get good pro- good press from Apple, good promotion, and they just let it sit and a lot of them just don't even run. I try to run things, doesn't happen. But now, we'll be doing much better. That's the hope, anyway. Yep. So what did they talk about after the Apple Watch? Um, well, after the Apple Watch, well, they did briefly uh, mention briefly before we got into the Apple Watch, uh, they talked about education a bit, and I just wanted yeah. to... Uh, Get any ideas or opinions about uh, Connect Ed and this program that they've started, um, you know, working, providing the 45,000 teachers with uh, laptops and iPads and then 50,000 students with iPads. I thought the initiative was really cool. I I didn't really have too much, you know, other than that, though. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I can say too much about that, but uh, I love that Apple's doing this learn to code thing, of course. Um former panelist Caleb is now on that team working on the curriculum for that. So that was fun to see that in the keynote so soon after he left to go work on it. Yeah. And that they do that in the Apple store or is that a curriculum? No, this is, this is curriculum that they're producing for, for, you know, all, I think all kinds of education programs, but basically oh, gotcha. for schools to use, to teach kids to code. Huh? It's much more than just the hour of code that they do in the Apple oh, store. Or these are, these are like, yeah, right. These are like full, you know, full semester kind of curriculums. Huh. I'll have to check that out because I keep thinking I want to start a club at my kid's school. This might be the thing. Uh, well, any thoughts on the they talked about the series, too. They mentioned the new ceramic body on the watch. I'm segueing back through there. Uh, but uh-huh. and then the Nike Plus model, which I was incredibly confused by. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't get it. I'm, I They announced this watch and my, I was trying to understand, like, is this a singular app watch or what else can we do with this? Or why does, why was there a need for this particular brand? Why is this just not an additional app on the existing watches? 
that that was kind of the impression that I got was that it it looked like it it was mostly styling was the the the, the impression I got. And I think they said it cost the same as the other watch. So I think you just get Nike branding on it and you know all of the fitness features I don't see why you wouldn't be able to just get those out of the Nike Plus app. My thinking on that was I, I, I thought about this while they were announcing it. I, I don't know exactly, but it seemed like it was very much like the Her- Her- I don't know how you say that Hermes edition, which is actually more expensive, but it's just sort of this co-branded thing. You buy the Hermes edition, you get a special watch face that you can't get on the regular watches and, and you know the watch bands, which I think they actually sell separately. So I think the Nike Plus is just one of those, and I assume they've got a deal with Nike that they get some of the money from everyone sold. And it seems stupid to me if they don't make that Nike app available to everyone though so i don't know yeah agreed i mean i actually do like the app because as a runner i it, it solves a couple of the problems i've had with the existing uh running apps and the, the basic fitness app on the on the watch currently yeah. so i'm not sure but i heard a rumor that if you have the the nike watch and you say just do it three times michael jordan comes and gives you three wishes <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay so that's why you buy it I that's guess. special the whole feature. thing Sweet. Yeah, I, I, I know some of the things that I want to talk about, but I don't remember the order that they came in. Pretty much after the Apple Watch, they talked about the improvements in the Series 2, and then they immediately moved into the to the phone. And then we were ta- they presented the iPhone 7, and we got the video, of course, with Johnny Ive. I still don't know where he's locked away, but, you know, it's uh, get the, the regular spiel, and it was on into the, the new features of the phone. All right, I'm going to rewind a little bit then because the AirPods, I want those. Yes, that is a must-have. I, I definitely am excited about the AirPods Air, uh, Air, price notwithstanding. What were the AirPods? And, is that what they call them? Yes. Okay. And the price point is a little high. In fact, one of the other people that were there, he immediately said, I'm going to buy those and I'll lose them immediately. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the problem. Is I, But they're, I, I really do like not having to have the uh, connection. Um, and I, I like the design of them. They're very small. It comes with the case that charges. Just so much about it that appealed to me that I'm really excited about that. The one thing that I did not hear, and maybe someone else got this, is are they backwards compatible or are they only working with the iPhone 7? You know, they they did not explicitly say that, but they did show a slide and say that they work with your Mac and I think also your iPad. And... It seems silly to say that if they're not all, you know, if it requires hardware changes, if it's not just using Bluetooth, then it presumably would not work with current Macs. And they were not announcing new Macs today. So my guess is, my speculation is based on that, that it should work with existing iPhones. I should probably go look on their website and see if they say now. Yeah, I think I, I'm not sure if it's, I hadn't looked in a, in a while if it's updated. But yeah, that was the thing. It's like, so as I still have the 6 Plus, 6S Plus, and my chances of being able to physically get my hands on a 7 when it comes out is going to be slim because of where I'm located. So I am excited about it because I am in the, I have the, uh, the iPhone program with the, with the upgrade. Um, I just have to get to stateside and then pick up some of those AirPods. But if I can use them with my existing phone, that would be even better. Yeah, I just like the idea. My, my nine-month-old likes to grab the cord for my earbuds or earpods or whatever the heck they call them. So having them wireless would be nice. The other thing is is that I just hate having that cord for my hand to grab onto whenever I'm running and stuff. So, Yeah, I've actually 
caught those things recently on stairs and just walking on the corner of a desk and anything like that. And it just frees me from having to worry about that. Um, and then one point of clarification, I think that um, there are two. The AirPods are the wireless ones, and then the EarPods are the updated lightning cable uh, right. connected uh, ear, earbuds. So they're, they both exist. Both names are correct. Yeah. The, the AirPods, the wireless ones, don't on the Apple page for them, they don't really actually say which specifically which devices they work with. They do say they will work with your Apple Watch, Mac, and iPad in addition to your iPhone. And there's nowhere on the page where they say they require an iPhone 7. So it kind of sounds to me like they're Bluetooth and they'll work with, you know, any Bluetooth compatible Apple device with, I'm sure, well, they do They do actually say you have to have Mac OS Sierra, iOS 10, or Watch OS 3 for them to work with your device. Yeah, one other thing that I'm worried about, though, is that I've had Bluetooth headphones that are, are they sound good, but not great. I've never had any Bluetooth or wireless headphones that sound as good as the EarPods that are wired from Apple. And so I worry a little bit about whether or not I'm going to be able to, whether or not they're going to just work as nicely. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I actually did just find now a compatibility list, and they are compatible with the iPhone 5 and later, all models right. of watch, and the iPad Mini 2 and later. That's good. And the iPod so, Touch, right. the latest iPod Touch. So n- Nothing about ma- the Mac, but maybe just all Macs with Bluetooth, I guess. I mean, they are all Macs that macOS Sierra runs on. I don't know if Apple even remembers that they have a product line called Mac. oh sad but true yeah that's that's one thing maybe we should talk about for a minute because i can tell you that i have i've been wanting to upgrade my laptop for a while i have a 2013 model i think might even be older than that and i keep waiting for them to release new hardware and they haven't and so i don't have a strong desire to upgrade to something that's essentially equivalent to what I already have. There definitely seems to be a lot, uh, a bit of silence in, with regard to upgrades on the other hardware devices, um, laptops. Um, didn't hear anything about Apple TV as well. And uh, just, it would be, it would be nice. I don't know what, if there's going to be a separate event. I haven't heard any rumors. I've actually pre- been pretty good about not listening to any rumors. So this, uh, the entire event was a surprise to me. I had no expectations, but I'm just curious if anyone's heard anything about maybe a second event coming up in another month or so. Yeah. An event in October has been pretty heavily rumored and I don't think it would be unprecedented. Apple has done that plenty of times before where they sort of have their, I don't know what you might call like their fall consumer event where the new iPhones and previously iPods, they don't talk about iPods anymore, but iPhones, iPods, now Apple Watch, um, sometimes iPads come out. And then later in October, they have what you might call sort of the pro one. And it's always a smaller thing, but um, they announced new Macs. And I think the original Apple TV was kind of announced at the October thing. But yeah, I've, I've heard that from from several sources online and otherwise that there is likely to be one in October. So that's certainly the optimist in me is that Apple's got a bunch of really cool stuff on the Mac front and they're just waiting for a month and they're going to do a separate event. I hope so. Yeah, that would yeah, be great. Yeah, I'm still rocking the 2013 MacBook Pro, and there's really no reason to update, even though other systems are are lapping us at this point. Yeah, I'm on a 2012, you know, the very first model of Retina MacBook Pro that I bought right after WWDC that year, and I, um, I'm i perfectly happy with it. It's not like I'm, you know, thinking, oh, man, this thing's old and horrible. It's working fine, but 
does just seem like they've been neglecting the Mac for for a long time. I mean, the Mac Pro, of course, is the biggest glaring example, which is now almost three years old, and they have never updated it. Yeah, it's hard to believe with so much excitement about that thing when it was released that it has not been updated since. Yeah. The only complaint I have about my laptop is that I wish I had more hard drive space. And so I just need to buy another hard drive and pop the case open and stick it in. There there have been, you know, I think pretty, pretty strong rumors that they're going to do a MacBook Pro with a, a new case design. And they're going to, the top row of keys is going to be a, a basically a little touch screen. You know, strip Ooh, cool. that is a touch screen with stop, keys that change depending on whatever app you're you're using. Uh, that sounds really cool. I mean, I'm not I'm not so sure about all the specifics of that, but just I, I certainly hope they've got something more than just hey, it's a 0.1 gigahertz faster processor this year again. Just something to tell us they still care about the Mac and are not letting it <laughs> slide right. into its retirement. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go. Let's get into the iPhone. It seems like the biggest. Well, I, I really like the, the design improvements. The although some people might not think of it as a big deal, but I was happy that they improved the, the speakers and we finally get real stereo and not like sort of like fake stereo. Yeah, if you've used so my point of reference for that is if you've used the iPad Pro. I have a nine point seven inch iPad Pro, and it it actually has four speakers, mm-hmm. but um, same thing where it's got them on the top and the bottom. Uh, and so it's real stereo. They're really loud. I mean, they sound really, really good. They sound way better than any other iOS device I've used, um, and actually a lot better than a lot of laptops. So I'm sure the iPhone won't be as good as the iPad just because of physical size constraints, but just the fact that they're making a big upgrade there seems seems cool to me. I'm looking forward to it. I agree. I have an iPad Pro as well, and I it sounds terrific. I used to, when I would be in the hotel room, you know, I just unwind, watch a show, and I put my headphones in. And yeah, I don't do that anymore. I just pull it up on the iPad Pro and play it there because it sounds great. My well, favorite thing about the the new iPhone, or about the keynote, I guess, anyway, as far as the iPhone goes, is the was actually the the sort of manufacturing video that you know they often show those, but they showed some of the new manufacturing techniques they're using for the for the new iPhone. It was a pretty pretty cool, uh, visually interesting video with the machines that polish the case and you know i don't know, run it through some sort of i don't know what they called it some sort of you know really fine abrasive substance to polish it and then they run it through a, mag- a bath filled with magnetic particles and um it was, it was pretty the i mean the video was pretty did it remind you of interstellar yeah it kind of did and i i just I don't know. That's part of Apple that I love, right? They've got this edge. It's Johnny Ive, I guess, but they've got this sort of obsessive and I think unique focus on the design of their stuff and on materials and and you know manufacturing processes. And I agree. I think like it's it's one it's one that I've I think it's the best one they've done in a while because some of the other ones that they've done in the past, you know, they go through the same level of detail and they talk about the process. But I didn't really come away as impressed as I did with this one. Yeah, I mean, I've seen I've seen in real life CNC machines milling out aluminum, you know, with a cutting head moving around and whatever. It's cool, but it's not like, oh, Apple's the only one doing that. But I had personally never seen any of those machines that they were showing with the polishing and the magnetic bath and whatever they whatever they were doing to do the high gloss. Yeah, but I don't Anodized remember seeing aluminum. lasers. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to see lasers. Yeah. They they've done lasers in previous ones. Okay, I guess that's forgivable then. Because they have, I, I know, I remember one is the the 
the lights that are in some of their devices where there's a light under the aluminum and they laser cut tiny little holes so the light can get through the aluminum. That's they've talked about that before. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember watching that particular film and I was like, yeah, that's all cool, but I'm just going to get a really nice case from my phone and no one will see it anyway. <laughs> yeah, well, we actually had this. A few of us uh, had this discussion and um, well, it was a Twitter discussion this morning, but there are, there are two kinds of, of smartphone owners, those that break the, their, their phone screen pretty often and those that never break their phone screen. And I don't, I've never, I've never really used a case on my iPhone. Now and then I've had sort of an invisible shield kind of skin on it, although that's been a long time since I've had one of those and I've never broken the screen. So I don't, I like, I like when they do a really nice, cool finish because I do think it looks nice and I don't put a case on, but then there are other people that for whatever reason seem to be prone to breaking their iPhone. And it does seem a little sad that you buy this really beautifully designed device and then put it in an ugly plastic case. I really hate putting mine in a case, but I crossed over from being one of those people that has never cracked a screen to one who's cracked it twice. I cracked an iPad and an iPhone screen. And at that point, I, especially being so far away from an Apple store, I can't take the chance anymore. I really don't like having a case on it. Um, and oftentimes I'll just pull it out and just have it available when I know I'm not walking around somewhere where it can be damaged. But it just ruins the aesthetic to me so much to put something around it. Yeah, well, I you have an understand that. You have an excuse, Alondo. You're traveling around the world, so you, you got to be careful. Yeah, I've actually already had a couple incidents. So I'm just like, oh, wow, I'm so glad I had a case on there when I was going to this place. Yeah, Get your essentials. Water, food, iPhone. You're good. Indeed. <laughs> I've never broken my screen, but I always have a case on it. I have dropped my iPhone a few times. I don't know if that would have broken it or not. Just because I, yeah, I'm, I get, seeing, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing the future that I'm, two of you have just reported that you don't break your screens within two weeks they're done sorry well you're probably right i'm probably going to walk out of here right after we finish recording and break mine for the first time except that i've been saying this for a long time and i've still never broken one so i i feel relatively confident um but right. we'll, we'll see yeah the cal ripkin of unbroken screens <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, if i make it so i bought the original iphone the day it came out um which was i don't know around the end of seems like the end of june in 2007 so I've got less than a year before I hit my 10-year mark of owning the iPhone. And after that, I'll, I'll allow myself to break a screen and not feel bad because I went 10 years, right? That's a good streak. Andrew, this is the equivalent of playing golf in a thunderstorm. <laughs> 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 Go for it. We're, we're right behind you. <laughs> I thought something really I, – I thought something that was sort of interesting about the the – presentation of the iphone was how much time they spent on the camera i think they devoted oh, yeah. more time to the camera than to any other any other thing um which we all know that apple cares a lot about the camera and the iphone and they've used that as a differentiator for a long time but it was just fun to see them phil schiller up there as excited as ever about all the improvements they've made to the camera yeah i agree i think it's, it was great to see and in particular the the changes to the to, to the light lighting was the most impressive to me just because I've had recent uh, attempts to take photos right after sunset in some low light situations. And I've not been able to capture that with my uh, existing iPhone six camera. And it would be nice when they explain sort of like, you know, the improvement in the amount of light that's going to get in just, and, and be able to take those photos of low light in that time of day. I'm really excited about it. I do feel a little bit, I don't know what the word is because um, it's not actually new. It was true. One one thing that I maybe I don't know if disappointed is the right word because it's not new. They've kind of done this now uh, for for two years, but 
is that the, the iPhone, the plus, the, the bigger one is actually a, a better phone. Um, not just counting screen size, but it, it, some of the camera improvements they talked about are only in the the six plus. And, you know, that's a little bit like annoying the dual for those and stuff. Yeah. So the, the, yeah, dual exactly. lenses, the dual lenses, of course, is the big one. But then also that sort of last segment where they talked about how they're using uh, basically some really fancy image processing to give the illusion of shallow depth of, or to do shallow depth of field, even though they're not actually getting shallow depth of field optically like you would with a, a big wide aperture on a real camera. Um, anyway, they're doing that. I, I guess they're doing it in software, uh, but even that is just on the iPhone plus, on the plus, the seven plus, um, you know, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's some limitation there that makes that possible, but it certainly sounded like it was all a software thing. So why not bring it to the, the regular seven as well? I agree. Even looking at the phone, though, I was wondering why you couldn't get both of those lenses on the six, on the seven, and, and not just the seven plus. It didn't seem like it would add significant uh, size or be a problem. But I mean, I don't know a lot about the internals at that section of the phone either. Well, they did take out the headphone jack to make room for stuff. <laughs> True. <laughs> I know so many people who they heard the rumors and they were ticked. You know, it's like, well, what do I do with all these headphones? And it's like, well, you have a dongle. Well, I don't want a dongle. I just want to plug it into my phone. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that I sympathize with that particular viewpoint very much. I mean, these people are obviously not longtime Apple users if they have that sort of attitude about it, because Apple has been notorious for doing that, like literally going back to the original Mac, you know, where they had their own weird serial port that was not really the same as everyone else's. And they dropped the floppy drive from the iMac and everybody freaked out. And, you know, and then even just the change from the 30 pin connector to the lightning connector, everybody freaked out about. And so like anybody who's been with Apple for a while knows that that's one of the things Apple does is they push ahead. They drop technology they think is obsolete a little bit before everybody else thinks it's obsolete. And then it, in hindsight, they're almost always right. You go, oh, yeah, I mean, who cares about a floppy drive, right? But on the other hand, I had a little hard time with that because usually usually it's pretty easy to see why the technology they're getting rid of is truly worse than whatever they're sort of moving to. And I don't see that with the headphone jack. I don't think lightning is a better connector for headphones than a regular analog headphone jack. Better for Apple. Yeah, but. yeah I agree. I think uh, I did like Schiller's explanation, though, for the moving forward. But I think it's really sort of a stopgap to the wireless. I think the wireless is really the big thing that they're moving forward with. And this, I, this, I, I, my takeaway was that it was more than just, we're taking away the analog and replacing it with the lightning, but we're taking away the analog and you're going to have wireless headphones and you're not even going to be thinking about that connection anymore at some point. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's gotta be the, that that's the thing they really need to sell it with is because wireless is clearly better than having a cord that gets snagged and broken and you know whatever um that's but, true as long as it's as good as the right wire right. wired alternative right. right but i think they're trying to do that with the with the airpods so we i think i was so talking with some, i was talking with some friends I, I actually got a really nice pair of sony bluetooth headphones um for my birthday about two weeks ago and i mean they're they're 400 headphones or something they're not cheap junk and i'm I'm really enjoying them. They're really nice. In fact, I'm wearing them now. I've got them wired in right now, but but I'm wearing them now. They sound really good. Uh, they work well. But one of the things that has annoyed me about them is if I have them paired to both my Mac and my iPhone, switching between the two is a little bit of a pain. Like I have to turn Bluetooth off on the, you know, I want to switch to my Mac to my iPhone. So first I turn Bluetooth off on my Mac and then I go into my iPhone settings, find the headphones, click connect. And, and it works. It's fine, whatever. But 
it sure would be nice if that was a more seamless process. It, as it is, it's a lot harder than pulling a cable out of my Mac and plugging it into my iPhone. And actually, that's one of the things that Apple um, really was trying to sell with the AirPods is that, and, and on their marketing website that they've put up for it. It's supposed to be super, super easy and seamless to switch between devices. So I think they are thinking like we yeah. not not only does it need to be wireless, but it needs to be wireless and and as good or even better in all other aspects as wireless or as wired headphones, where it can't can't have all the you know it can't be wireless, so that's good. But then it's got all these other disadvantages that are that make it actually kind of annoying. And I think current Bluetooth headphones actually do have some of those some of those kinds of problems. And I think it was a good sign that they're they're thinking about those and and already trying to improve upon them. Yeah, I agree. I definitely have issues with the Bluetooth part of my Bluetooth headphones. And I've only ever owned one pair of Bluetooth headphones that I actually liked. So, And one minor question, dovetailing back into the camera and then talking about photos. Was it me or are the live photos longer in duration? I don't know. Did they say? They said that you'd be able to edit them. I know that. Yes. They mentioned editing them, but just from the examples that they gave, it looked like they were so the ones that I've taken so far don't seem to to last that long. It's sort of like a, a really quick uh, movement, but the ones that they displayed in the demo seem to go on for like maybe a second and a half to two seconds. I think the current ones are three seconds. I think it's a second and a half before the photo and then a second and a half after the photo. Oh, and I'm just terrible oh. at taking these live photos. <laughs> <laughs> So it's you know if if you think if you think the ones in the keynote were two or three seconds that sounds like it's about the same as what they've already got. I mean I, I think at some point a live photo if you make it long enough it's not a live photo anymore. Live photo anymore it is just a video, right? For video, yes, that's true. I'm curious too on the topic of video and pictures. Is they kept talking about the color, uh, the color that was available on the new iPhone. I mean, is it? I don't know. Maybe I just don't see the difference. You know, yeah, it looks nicer on my TV or in the movie theater, but is it that much richer? I mean, it looked it looked richer on what they had that showed up on my computer screen, but I, I couldn't tell if that was just the lighting or the way that the picture had been taken or if it was retouched at all or anything like that. I was completely unable to tell. I'm like you. I didn't notice a difference. Yeah. Well, so so here, here's the thing. This is something um, Craig Hockenberry, who's a really long-time Mac developer and, and iOS developer, works for the Icon Factory. He's been on about this for, I don't know, the last year or so. But they're using a wider color gamut called P3. So it can actually represent colors that are not able to be represented by sRGB and also not able to be represented by most of the screens that are out there. And so the, the new iPhone screen can actually display colors that other screens are not capable of displaying. And Phil Schiller actually mentioned this on stage. He said that the projector that they use the auditorium cannot display those colors. So it's actually physically impossible for for you at home watching on your screen that can't really display those colors to see any of the differences that they're talking about. You have to be looking at pictures that were taken with this wider color gamut on a iPhone 7 screen. The the 9.7-inch iPad Pro has that wider color gamut screen. Um, and it, it also has something called True Tone. But this does seem to be a focus for Apple right now in um, moving displays forward to support these wider color gamuts. And my guess is that it's something, I mean, well, it just seems obvious, right? It started on the 9.7-inch iPad Pro. Now it's on the iPhone 7. Soon enough, it's going to be on every Apple device, just like Retina moved from the iPhone to every Apple device. Well, except for the MacBook Airs. I guess they are still shipping 
one device with a non-retina screen. Anyway, um, they've also added so for for the iOS you know developers that are actually listening, they've act, they've also added a bunch of APIs to iOS to support these um, support this, this new better color capability. And I don't know all the details of that. Craig Hockenberry is actually writing a book, but I think that's a bigger deal than a lot of people realize right now. It's one of those small things that probably doesn't seem huge when you hear about it, and, and they can't even actually effectively demo it. But at some point, we're going to look back at at old screens and you know just know that they were worse. I, I I think it's a bigger deal for photographers and designers and movie makers and stuff than maybe the average person. But it, it's, it's I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that Apple's. Push, trying to push the envelope on that. I, I do have a 9.7 inch iPad Pro, and I found some website that that had, you know, side by side comparisons of pictures with the wider color gamut and the and the old sRGB gamut. And you can you can definitely see a difference. It's mostly in the shadows and highlights, but it's there. Hmm. Very cool. One other thing I think is funny at these events is that uh, they bring in some band or artist after the the event, and I think I've watched a total of one. Uh, Apple event where I actually had heard of the band that played after the event. Like this one, I was like, who? Yeah, it's funny because like everybody else that I was watching it walked out of the room and I'm a big Sia fan. So I literally sat okay. down and watched the performance after everyone else. And I was the only person there. And they're just like, uh, we need this projector. Can we get this back now? No, of course not. Yeah. Sia's playing. Like, let, yeah, exactly. Let her finish. Like, but yeah, that that and the and finally bumping up the minimum storage on the iPhone devices, and I'm just like, it's about time. What took so long? You know, I guess they finally sold out all those 16 gig drive drives that they needed to get rid of it as supply chain. They're still selling the iPhone SE with 16 gigs, so they still have one phone in the lineup with 16 gigs, and of course, it's the cheapest one. So it's the one that everybody that you really wouldn't want to have such a small amount of space because it causes problems with updates and whatever. It's the one that they're all going to have still. I think you actually need two iPhone SEs to run iOS 10. <laughs> right. You plug a lightning cable between them and then you can run it. But I no, I, I mean, that, that really deserves, we joke about finally, when people say Apple finally does this and that, when it finally is not really warranted. Finally is definitely warranted now. I have an original iPhone with 16 gigabytes, you know, which it was the high-end model at that yeah. time, but it just seems it's absurd that they were still shipping 16 gigabyte devices nine years later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I remember when they were sh- uh, shipping eight gig devices. First iPhone came in a four gig version. <laughs> it just seems ridiculous now. Yeah, it does. Well, I, it's, it kind of seemed weird at the time. I remember um, talking to people who bought them like or buying them in line when I was waiting to get one. And vast majority of people were going to get the eight gig one because it was like it was a hundred bucks extra. And it just seemed four gigs even then seemed like not very much. Yep. All right. Well, it is three o'clock here and I have another call that starts right now. And it's another big release announcement for one of my other shows. So I have to jump off. But this has been fun. Do you guys want to just forego picks and we'll talk next week? Sounds good. Sounds good to me. I don't really have any picks. I only had two and they were both travel related. So you can you can always save those, right? Yeah, Yeah. they'll they'll still be good next week. All right. Well, to our listener, uh, thank you for listening. Hopefully you enjoyed the event as much as we did or more. uh, We'll talk to you next week. Ciao. Thanks, guys. Yeah.